Join Rowdy and Kyle every Monday and Thursday night for another episode of the Rowdy Magalite Show. Sponsored by On Tire Tailgate System. at the track the hot pass racing network puts you at the track with arca and all the major nascar series from daytona to the final checkered flag the hot pass racing network is your inside pass all right race fans let's get rowdy the next 60 minutes will be two men talking one thing and one thing only racing from the third tracks for carolinas the super speedways of Daytona and Talladega. No race is too big or small for this duo. Ladies and gentlemen, these are our hosts, Rowdy Maglite and Kyle Magda. This is the Rowdy Maglite Show. All right, good morning, Monday morning, the Rowdy Maglite Show. Listen, guys, we're going to roll this morning with Dale Quarterly. Has been out on the West Coast for two weeks now with the uh, Portland race and also with Sonoma. So we got De- uh, Dale calling in at seven or I'm sorry, nine Oh five central time. Also guys, we got uh Hey, how about Eric Amarola and the Xfinity win there? Big win for Eric. He needed that uh, road course, man at Sonoma. Also, uh, another guy needed to win, and that is Martin Truex Jr. brings it home. Had a fast car, man. I'm telling you, his car was fast. And also, we're going to play the uh, NASCAR Le Mans with Jimmy Johnson and Hendricks racing in Le Mans. Pretty good turnout, guys, for them. They they went into this uh, program not playing. Unveil the car. Let's see, it was uh, this, actually this February at the Daytona 500 Speed Week. So, uh, right now we're going, we're waiting on Dale Quarterly to call in uh, from, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about West Coast racing and the, I guess the road course, because they raced uh, Portland and Sonoma this weekend. So, uh, guys, next, we're off this coming week, Father's Day. I don't understand how Mother's Day got swapped for Father's Day, but anyway, got the week off. Happy Father's Day to to all the fathers out there this coming week. The next week, it's going to be Nashville Speedway, guys, back on that concrete. I, I like the concrete racing. I'm going to ride over, check it out probably Saturday and Sunday and uh, see what uh, Nashville's got going on. Not this weekend, guys, but the next weekend. It's good to have a couple of weeks off. I know NASCAR's needed a break, uh, guys. Ryan Priest. What about uh, Ryan Priest winning? The Arkham Menards race at uh, Sonoma raced against uh, Dale Quarter. We'll be talking to Dale about that. Thank Ryan. He had a uh, really, really fast race car all day. 
some pretty decent drivers in that, guys. Uh, big win for Ryan Priest. I don't know if uh, got to watch the race yesterday. Some folks don't like race car or race. Some folks do not like road courses. I like a road course, guys. I, I, I look at a road course a lot different than they used to. Uh, you know, NASCAR was born on moonshining, and not one time did they uh, race around an oval track trying to escape the cops. So, with that being said, they left, right, right, left, left, right. Try to look at it that way, and we're going to bring in our first guest, and he's no stranger to the Rowdy Baglite Show. I'd like to welcome Dale Quarterly back from the west, from the west coast. Welcome back, Dale. How are you guys today, man? Dale, I'm doing great. So, uh, you spend two weeks out on the west coast. I need a nap. <laughs> That's all I have so, to say. I need a nap. So, uh, Dale, let's let's start off with uh, Portland. What's your thoughts on Portland and and Arca racing at Portland? So uh, Portland's a really cool old-school facility. It has some nice fast sections. Um, when you go down the back, it's blind. There's a cement wall on the inside. On the other side of the walls, 100-foot trees. So when you're going down through the turn, you kind of feel like you're going through the forest. Um, and then it has some nice uh, flowing, fast left-right combinations, like at the end of the back straightaway. Um, so it, it has a little bit of everything. Um, we went with the idea of, as, as I had mentioned on the last show with you guys, that we're lightly struggling, probably more than lightly, because I've been doing a limited schedule for so long, I've fallen behind technology-wise. And now that we're actually trying to be serious about it and really come up to speed, we can't, we can't quite learn fast enough. So our idea, <clears throat> our idea week to week is we don't care what we're doing, we're doing it anyways. Like an example would be if I was fourth in practice and I wanted to make a 20% change, we would make it. We wouldn't worry about ending up sixth or seventh or tenth. We're trying to learn. So um, Portland was a great surprise for us that we were – top five, top six all day, and at the end of the day, we ended up third. So it was a, you know, great team booster. Dale, that was run at night. How was the lighting at night at, at, at Portland on a road course? Uh, Portland was good, actually. It, um, it didn't actually get the nighttime. It was just dusk. So it was, <clears throat> you, you could 100% see still, like I said, going through the back section with the trees is a little, you know, dark but other than that it, it was fine so you you move on to another bigger bet i guess better it's a wine and cheese track at sonoma what's your thoughts on sonoma well it's funny you call it a wine and cheese track because the sponsor van dyke recycling solutions invites guests and clients and and customers to the races and we went to buena vista winery and um, they took us on a tour of the whole facility, 
and we ate, I called it the bat cave. One of the things the gentleman that, that built it did was he built tunnels into the side of the mountain, which is basically rock, and that's how we controlled the temperature because they were in the rock in the mountain. And um, so now they have a, a dinner section you can do in one of the tunnels that he built, and beside you is the crafts of wine that are sitting there aging. So it's kind of cool. But the Sonoma is absolutely sensational. It's built on the side of uh, three separate hills, so the track is constantly up, down, changing, under, over, through, around. Um, when you first arrive um, for Tech Day, the sheep are actually on the side of the racetrack eating the grass. So they don't mow it. The sheep mow it. So it's kind of, you know, a cool facility. It's uh, been bought out a few times. The last time Burton Smith bought it. So he's turned it into a world-class facility, all new buildings, all new facade. Um, it's run on a timely manner. The gate people are polite. It was just, it's just a joy to go out there. So, uh, Dale, what, what's your plans next? What, what you got on the schedule for your next event? So first I have got to take a nap. Second, I need to figure out where we're making huge progress. We went from beginning of last year, we were two and a half seconds off the leaders to at, at uh, Portland, we had windled it down the one second off the leaders. Um, so we're making huge progress. The last 10% of the puzzles, 90% of the problem now that the next piece is going to be difficult. So our, our plan is to um, work on the cars a little more. Um, I don't mind asking questions to people, is get some people that have been helping me a little more involved to see if we can fix the last couple of pieces. Um, our next races will be mid-Ohio in July, I guess, uh, 7, 8, 7, 8, 9 will be the Ocker Menards series on Friday. And on Saturday, I'm going to run the Craftsman truck again, which will be interesting to see if I'm in good enough shape to drive two days in a row. So if you well, happen Dale, to see me on TV puking, you'll know what it's from. Dale, that's going to be your second truck series race this year. Isn't that correct? Correct. So what's your thoughts on uh, the difference between an ARCA uh, stock car and the, and the truck series truck? You know, the, the driving of them is basically the same. The truck's a little more tail-happy. The back of the truck doesn't hook up quite as well. Um, so it's slinging the back, like in the winter on snow, slinging the back all over the place constantly. Other than that, it's basically the same. The biggest difference is when you jump from the Menard series, which is the fourth series in the tier, right, it'd be Cop Xfinity truck. Um, when you get to the truck series, now you're into the real pro guys, and you're in the kids trying to get to Infinity and truck. So the racing goes from 30 or 40% hell raising to 95 to 100% hell raising that at Coda we had talked about 
you go in the turn one, and it was nothing to be full wide. And then you're three wide through the next turn, and then you're two wide through the next three, and you finally windle it down by turn seven, one wide, that it was just guys are shooting for holes that aren't even there, but they're too stupid to know any better. But they have to do it because they're driving for their ride, right? I mean, it's, it's perform or are they going to put somebody else in your place? So that's what's cool about driving the truck is it's just action-packed from the time it goes green to the time it goes checkered. So, so Dale, uh, starting this career, did you ever envision it lasting as long as it has and to be able to work with your family as close as you are? What's cool at the moment is um, Van Dyke, which has been on – I think they've been with me 29 years now has been great that you know you get a consistent sponsor that's involved in coming to the racetrack and sending clients and can see the value in it but lately my two sons have been coming my oldest son's been running the team playing crew chief at the track Um, and my younger son is just starting to get involved in racing even though he's 20 he was in the stick and ball sports and but he's just starting to get involved in racing, and he seriously likes it. So he's in full swing. That's the cool part. To answer the first part of the question, um, I'm basically a 10th grade high school dropout that I had ADD to the max, and I just could not stand school. And the day my mother signed me out, if you talk to her that day, she's like, it was the worst day of my life. I cried all the way home. I couldn't believe I just signed my son out of school because he couldn't get through a day of school. But when you talk to her, if you talked to her last year, she would say, oh, that was the best day of my life. I just didn't know it. From that day on, it was nothing but straight up. He never faulted again once we got him out of school. It was just straight up. So I don't because I have ADD. I'm not good at planning down the road. I drive my girlfriend and everybody crazy because I never know what I'm doing next. But... I do the same thing I do today I did when I was 17, 18, 19 racing, which is I work as hard as I possibly can to go with the best possible product I can, and I give it the best possible results I can to the point that I might get out at the end of the day, and when I get out, I'm so exhausted I actually puke. That It was a joke, but it wasn't really because it's happened before. <laughs> that I give it 100% every time I go. And because of that, that's why I'm still racing. That when you talk to the sponsors and you talk to other people, they're like, why would we take him out? He's still one of the best guys out there. He still, he never gives up. It doesn't matter what it's doing. He drives it to the end. He gets himself out of situations. He's, you know, he finished third at Portland and he was, you know, a, eighth place car that he kept in the top six all day and ended up bringing it home third. Right. So it's, and what I'm trying to say is I'm not trying to give myself credit. What I'm trying to say is if you give it a hundred percent and you prove what you're worth, stuff will keep coming. That's what I'm trying to say. Well, uh, Dell, you, you've given it a hundred percent for several years now. You got to be having some fun, you know. You get to a certain age. I, I, I'm there. Things that didn't excite me that I took for granted years ago 
I don't take for granted now. And to be able to get back in a race car, now that's that's got to mean a lot. So on that note, the Van Dyke offered if I would be interested in maybe running a full schedule, and you know would see if we could piece it all together. And as soon as they said it, I instantly said no. They're like, what? I'm like, no. I, I don't want to run a full schedule. They're like, we thought you'd freak out after it. We were kind of trying to figure out how we were going to pay for it. But we we 100% thought you would say yes. And I'm like, you know why I'm saying no? They're like, no, we don't. And I'm like, because at the moment, all of us, including you, are having a blast. It's not too much on our schedule. It's not work to go to the racetrack. It's not work to come home. It's not work while we're at the racetrack. You guys are having a blast up in the booth. The people we bring are having a blast. The sponsors, uh, sorry, the customers we bring end up buying stuff off of you on Monday. That it, it, The whole situation at the moment is working out. There's no sense in contaminating it. Contaminating is going to be the second it turns in the work. That if we try and run more races, it's going to be a job. And as soon as that happens, it's not going to be fun. And at this point, it's 62 years old. If it's not fun, why are we doing it? And they said, I agree. We never talked about it again. So I agree with you that I've learned how to slow down a little to enjoy what I'm doing, not just do it. And, you know, Dale, when you bring these sponsors to the track and they actually get to experience and hang out and do and be part of the show, it's not as hard to get them guys to step up for some money the next go-around, is it? It's, you know, and I, I think I said this on the last show, I consider myself a traveling circus. My job is to entertain. My job is to not sell products. And I really make sure when you know, a new person comes along that I make sure they understand that statement, that my job is to entertain, that I entertain in the pits, I entertain when I go on the racetrack. Even if you didn't know who I was, as you're watching the race, you're going to start watching the 32 car, right? And it, I can't tell you how many people come up to us. They're like, well, you know, we've been here, you know, the last three years, and it wasn't 15 laps in the race, and we were already saying to my, my girlfriend, man, you got to watch that 32 car. And she's like, for what? She's not even into the races. He's like, just watch it for a little while. You'll see. And by the end, he's hooked, she's hooked. And then when they come down into the pits and you get them to sit in the car or the truck, the sponsors are there and he's showing people it and everybody's having a blast and, you know, they're all telling stories about what they just got through watching and were felt like they were part of. It's, I mean, that, that part is sensational, right? That's why the sponsors keep coming back, that they're part of it. It's not me going racing and them in the stands. You can do that at a stick and ball game, right? Go to Fenway Park. You're one of 150,000 people, but you never get to touch the players. And it makes a difference, uh, Dale. I, I see it at every racetrack when you see a new sponsor come into to the sport, and when they leave there, they're they're willing to put their name back on the car again. But, uh, Dale, how do you get at, at, at 62, what's, what's kind of your regiment? that would keep you able to, to race a doubleheader like your picks and come up to? Eat, eat, more eat. 
62. I'm having fun. We we train a couple days a week, not as much as we should. We um, um, one of the mechanics in the shop, which just that alone will keep you in shape. Um, there's only two of us here, me and a helper, so I do 90% of what goes on over here. So just that alone keeps you in shape, the up and down, in and out, constantly working with your hands and arms and staying focused on what's going on, you know, is what helps keep my mind going. So when I'm in the car, I'm actually relaxed in the car. It's half the amount of work that it is in the shop. So, that you know, that's always a plus. Um, when I was younger, we used to train when I did the motorcycles, we would train six days a week. I'd run five or six miles a day, and then we'd work two and a half hours in the gym. But I was with a professional trainer. Uh, he actually owned the gym, Jerry Randall, up in Northampton, Mass. And he worked me like I was trying to win a world motorcycle race, being just I did not rest. If we did sets of something, I went, he went, I went, he went, I went, he went, we moved to the next machine. I went, he went, I went, he went for two and a half hours straight. So I, I know my body knows what physical training is, and it's pretty easy to give it the come back some. I have a little belly on me at the moment, probably more than a little. But I still, we lost last week when the, it was first week we had raced that it was 85 degrees out. And um, when the race is over, the kids that are all running and training and mountain biking and all that stuff on Facebook, of course, they're not Facebook, right? That's old school, Twitter. When they um, got out, they were freaking exhausted sitting on the ground. And I get out and I sat, talked to the crew and the sponsors for 20 minutes. Well, I was at uh, St. Louis at uh, Worldwide Technology. And after the uh, truck race, I was down where Norm Benning was getting out of the truck. Yeah. And uh, Dale, he got his helmet about halfway off, and he collapsed right there from heat exhaustion. So, right. And it it was hot, but it really wasn't that well. Yeah, I think it was ninety one, ninety two degrees. Imagine what it was yeah. in, in a truck. But, right, but you should have been able to deal with that, right? You're a trained professional. That I'm not in shape to go jog six miles at any pace. For that matter, I can't even jog anymore because of my knees. But I can sit in the race car and get 100% out of myself to the end of the day. That I can do. I've been leaving well, that kind of shape. In the, in the long term here, what do you see as far as when Dale starts to uh, slow down, somebody in the family going to step up? At the moment, we're planning on running one more per year, for sure, um, 2024. And then I'll probably start semi-retirement at the end of that. And my son's just, my son Alex, my oldest son, is just starting to drive. He ran his first, uh, attempted to run his first race last week. Uh, I think in two weeks will be his next race. I think they're going to run up in Lee, New Hampshire is the next race. Um, so maybe by then he'll be up to speed and he can take over some. But I'm definitely going to start winding it down here pretty quick before I, like everybody says, right, 
I need to stop before I go backwards. At the moment, I haven't gone that way yet. Uh, that third place finish at Portland was pretty impressive, Dale. Yeah, it was good. Like I said, I haven't gone backwards yet, but I definitely need to stop before I get there. So, Dale, let's talk about uh, you, your people back at the shop, your sons, that helps you get this car and get you ready to, to race ever race weekend. So, so what's been cool is my oldest son, Alex, is, I don't know, 28, and he's actually taken over as crew chief, so he basically runs the team at the track while I'm in it. We have um, six guys helping. We've got an assistant crew chief that comes along. My younger son has been coming the last few weeks, Aiden, and he's been doing um, jack stuff, tire changes, um, you know, huffing stuff back and forth to the to the tire truck, going to get fuel, doing all the offbeat stuff. Uh, well, we're kind of phasing him into the team is the easiest way to phase him in. So it's been really cool having the two on board. Um, the sponsor, like I said, Van Dyke Recycling Solutions, based out of Connecticut, has been having a blast um, bringing customers and clients to the track. They import equipment that would be, if you threw away your paper bottles and cans, they import all the equipment to sort all that out and send it out to be actually recycled. So they would sell to companies like Waste Management would be a, a big one they would sell to. So that all, you know, that end's been going well too. And at the shop, we were, we're like I said, there's two of us here, uh, Richard Knight and myself, and we just slowly, you know, getting stuff done and having it prepared properly to go to the racetrack. So that whole piece this year has actually been coming along really nice. Uh, my son's done a good job of managing the team at the track so you're not tripping over one another's. So, uh, Dale, do you have any unit students helping you on race day? Do I have any what? UNA students, any from the University of uh, Ohio, UNA? I do not. Okay. I, I, I know they help a lot in the main series. I just didn't know if they helped any out at the West Coast, it being such a long yeah. race. You know, so, we, uh, we they changed pit strategy and stuff at the tracks lately, trying to bring costs down. Did they give you time to make changes so you're – you don't really need a pit crew anymore. So we've kind of windled our team down. The, we only have four or five guys with us weekly, um, which has really made it nice. So we haven't really needed outside help. But since you brought them up, they actually have a sensational, if someone's interested in getting into, they have different trades, obviously, but I know the automotive trade, kids that have come out of the automotive trade that, 100% would do it again if they had to. I've seen them go a long way. I've, I've, I think they do a wonderful job. Uh, what's your thoughts on, you, you mentioned it, Mid-Ohio? My thoughts on Mid-Ohio is Mid-Ohio has been good to me. Um, hopefully I can be good to it. Uh, my first pro motorcycle race there was 1984. We finished fifth which was completely unheard of, right, to be in top five first time out. 
Um, I won my first AMA Superbike race there in 1993. Um, The track has been good to me, really good to me. Um, If I could, but it's not going to give you anything, right? We need to figure out the chassis suspension combination that if we want to run up front before we get back there. But we're 100% on it. I've already talked to three guys this morning. I've only been at work an hour and a half trying to fix some of the problems from the weekend. You, you don't know more than get home and you're, you're thinking about the next next race. But with Mid-Ohio, as much as you've run that, you can, can you pretty much just close your eyes and know automatically wh- where you're at and what you're supposed to be doing at that moment? The plus of the plus of knowing the racetracks is when you're in traffic and you've got three or four or five guys in front of you and two or three guys behind you and the guys behind you are working on trying to pass you and you're working on trying to pass the guys in front of you and knowing that from here you can't be there or you're not going to make two turns later because you've run the track enough that you know better than the average guy how to stay out of trouble. It doesn't help you open lap to open lap, like we're just doing laps and we're lightly spread out. Anybody can do it then. It's when you're two abreast or three abreast or you're trying to pass somebody while someone's trying to pass you to know when to be more aggressive and less aggressive because if you're not more aggressive, and you are too wide when you get to the next section, you are going to pay the price. So instead, you make that guy pay the price now so you don't have to pay it later. That's the bonus to it. So my answer is yes. Going to the racetrack that I know is definitely a plus. I, I, I always would think that just that road course, knowing exactly with all the different turns what what to kind of expect. Uh They'll tell everybody where they can follow and keep up with you the rest of the season this year. So we're basically on um, Facebook, uh, Dale Quarterly on Facebook, L-E-Y, my last name. Um, I do have a website up and running at the moment. Just We're having some issues. I'm so busy with other stuff. We just put it aside at the moment. So either come to the racetrack, come hang out with us, which – I'm hoping if someone's there, they come up and try and talk to me or uh, follow us on Facebook. Well, Dale, I'm looking forward to meeting you this year. hope that happens, and we surely appreciate you coming on and being part of the show. What happened to your partner in crime today? Well, he's he's got called into work. He wasn't expecting. What the hell? He has, <laughs> Dale, he's still young. He still has to kind of do uh, two jobs at one time, so. Yeah, he texts me and says he's going to do all he can do to call in. I said, well, he's on now, so. All right. I appreciate you guys having me, and and, um, I know I get a ton of response afterwards, especially from people I grew up with, you know, back east, um, that that 100% the show is well-rounded and everybody likes it. So thank you for doing your job also. Thank you, Dale. You know, we just try to put a, a, a good spin on racing, and, and you're one of the good spins. Uh, 
you know, it, it's always great. A racing family is the best family of all. I, I know your personal family, but your racing family will be there every time for you. And, right. Uh, Dale, we appreciate you being part of it and looking forward to meeting you at the track, my friend. Okay. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Dale. Dale Corley, folks. At times like this, I think how lucky I am to be a NASCAR Winston Cup driver and how fortunate I am to have a great sponsor like Napa Auto Parts because Napa understands quality and value and the importance of having a friendly, knowledgeable staff. And it's at times like this, looking around at the empty grandstands and listening to the silence of pit road, that I realize I'm at the wrong track. We're going to continue our media availabilities for today. We're here with the winner of the DoorDash 250, Eric Amarola, driver of the number 28 Ford for RSS Racing. Congratulations, Eric. Talk about your day. Uh, yeah, it's uh, an eventful day. You know, just all the way going back to um, qualifying this morning. Um, car was was really good. Made a lot of changes to it overnight after practice. And felt like we made it way better and uh, qualified fourth, so felt good about that. But then hopped over to the cup car, and holy cow, um, I forgot, you know, just how different they, they are. They are. Um, and I, I felt like a little bit of a fish out of water uh, the first few laps of practice in the cup car. Um, got in a rhythm finally in the cup car, and, and then hopped back in the Xfinity car for the race, and... I felt like our car was was a third place car um, to start the race. I thought that Larson and and Almendinger were certainly better uh, than we were, and on the long run, I could start breaking even and and keep pace with them. Uh, but from lap three to lap twelve of a run, uh, they would just beat me pretty bad. So um, Davin made uh, quite a few adjustments to the race car. And after the first stop, it was heading in the right direction. Uh, and then the second stop, we, we made it better. And then that last set of tires, um, it took off on that restart. I uh, was able to get by uh, Suarez and, and uh, Alex there uh, on that restart in turn two. And I knew that clean air was going to be important. I knew I was going to have my work cut out for me, um, trying to hold off uh, Larson and Almendinger. And I knew that if I could just hold them off for seven, eight laps. I thought that I could maintain and keep pace um, with them after a while. And um, Larson made a mistake getting into 11, and it gave me a lot of breathing room, and, and I was finally able to start um, slowing everything down and not really, uh, you know, driving over my head, trying to keep him behind me. I was able to just kind of run my pace and take care of the tires, and, and they started giving me lap times. And uh, when Almendinger and Larson started racing hard behind me, um, it just gave me a lot of, um, you know, it gave me a lot of ability to, to just kind of run my pace and, and not burn up my stuff. And, um, <laughs> I, I still can't believe it. It's, it's amazing, um, to, to go to victory lane, uh, in a road race. And of all places, I thought that this is absolutely a place I could get it done. Um, my entire career, I've run way better at Sonoma than I have at any other road course, um, the only thing I can think is that it has way less corners than all the other road courses, so there's less opportunity for me to screw up. Um, but I just I love this racetrack. It's a it's a racetrack that I come to and I always 
get excited about about racing here. Awesome. Well, congratulations. We'll go ahead and open up this up to media. If you have a question, please raise your hand. We'll start in the corner with Lee and then go to Zach. Eric, what was going through your mind when um, your spotter told you that that Larson had hit the wall? Um, he, he just he didn't say he hit the wall. He just told me he made a mistake, and and you know I went from having him breathing right down my neck to a gap of 10, 15 car lengths, uh, and and I think Almendinger got by him through that um, through that scenario. So uh, I felt better about my chances uh, with Almendinger in front of him, and and I felt like if Larson was going to start putting pressure on on AJ, it would and those guys started racing. Um, you know that that I would be able to to maintain my pace and and they wouldn't catch me if they were racing. Um, so I immediately you asked me what I thought. I immediately thought just slow down, just calm down, slow down. Don't make any mistakes. Uh, don't wheel hop. Don't lock up a tire and don't overdrive the race car. There's still there was still I think 12, 13 laps to go. Um, and and I I needed to take care of my tires because I felt like uh, all of us you know we were falling off really hard. Um, the last five, six laps of a run. So I was just trying to maintain and, and, and run my pace without burning up my stuff. We'll go to Zach. Zach Sterniola, NASCAR.com. Eric, congratulations on this. First of all, um, first win for RSS Racing officially as well. Um, yep. What does that mean to you to be part of that team's um, first taste of victory? Yeah, it's huge for a race team like that, you know, what it does for them and, and the points and the owner's points and what it does – um, you know, for their organization, uh, it's, it's huge, and so just so thankful uh, for that. You know, collaboration uh, with their race team. They're an alliance. They have an alliance, a technical alliance with Stuart Haas Racing. So, um, just really happy to be able to do that with their race team. Uh, we were eating breakfast actually this morning in the hotel lobby uh, with a lot of their crew guys, and um, they're they're just a nice, genuine group of people, and uh, so so happy. Uh, to get them to victory lane. And then the other question would is just, you talked about after Larson made that mistake, um, just telling yourself to slow it down. Before that, as he's on your back, back bumper and as he's kind of closing that gap, were you surprised you were able to hold him off as well as you were? Did you know where you were, um, had any sort of an advantage over where um, maybe his car was performing? Yeah, he, he was beating me up, uh, turn one up the hill and, and through two. Um, he was able to carry a lot more speed there. And I was, I was able to get off most corners um, as good or better than he was. He could kind of carry more entry speed and roll to the center of, of, of almost all the corners better than I could. Um, but I was able to get throttle, throttle down, get power down, and, and get away um, on exit. And I just knew that if I if I got off of turn four, good, so he couldn't outbreak me getting into seven. And I knew if I came down the S's good and got off of turn ten, good, and, and had enough of a gap to where he couldn't outbreak me into 11, that he wasn't going to pass me um, without crashing me or driving through me. Um, so I just really calmed everything down. And, and even with him breathing down my neck, my main focus was just making sure I got off of those two corners um, the best I could to where I could get a gap and make sure that he couldn't outbreak me getting into to 7 or 11. All right, we'll go to Steven, then to Tom, and then to Bob. Uh, Steven Stump, Stumpshift.com. Congrats on the win, Eric. Uh, after Larson made the mistake, at what point did it go from they're right on my tail to please no caution? <laughs> um, 
residents of the remote Pretty quickly, I, I felt like uh, I felt like with five to go, um, I was I was thinking about yeah. Please, 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 please don't let there be a caution. I really don't want to restart with A.J. Allmendinger and uh, Kyle Larson uh, right on my back bumper, you know, especially with that sizable of a lead. And I, I knew that if I just ran the race, uh, the, the race out with no mistakes and, and didn't do anything dumb on my part, um, that it was going to be pretty tough for those guys to run me down and beat me. But uh, certainly, you know, praying for, for no cautions at that point. And then uh, what you're saying about slowing it down, your uh, last two laps were two seconds slower than AJ. Um, obviously, this is also one of the longest final laps. In addition to getting it home, kind of what was your going through the line as you're making making your way through the turns for the final time? Yeah, just making sure that I just brought it home. I knew I had a huge lead, and the, the last thing you want to do is, is you know, I, I ran my race car right on the ragged edge all day, um, just really on the limit of wheel hopping and locking up tires and, um, getting loose, coming down through the S's. So, yeah, at the end of the race, it was it was more about just bringing it home. We had such a big lead, um, you know, just get to the get to the finish line without making any mistakes. Thank you. We'll go to Tom then, Bob. Tom's lucky I'm coming today. Hi, Eric. Um, back up a little further. When the caution initially came out, and Larson had, it, had enough of a humongous lead, and it took forever to bring the field back together. To, for that for that caution before the final restart, what are you what are you thinking? What's the message in your ear at that at that point? Uh, just that it was an opportunity. Um, we were actually really good on that run. I, I drove from I think eighth place up to up to fourth uh, on that run, and felt really good about my race car. And through that green flag pit stop, through that cycle, um, was, was making some good ground. I, I passed. Um, I passed the, the 21, passed the 7, was running the 19 down, and felt really good about our race car. And, and when that caution came out and we were fourth, I thought, man, this is, this is, a, this is an opportunity for us. Uh, we came down pit road. Our guys did a great job on pit road. Uh, we went from fourth to, to third of the guys on tires. And then with Suarez and, and LeBay um, staying out, um, I thought that, that was a, a great opportunity for me, especially when Larson and Almendinger both took took uh, took the left side. Um, I, I certainly felt like going through turn one and turn two that if I could keep pace, uh, that both those guys on old tires would go wide and that there would be an opportunity to to, to get by them, and that's exactly what happened. So, um, yeah, I. I you asked what I thought, and, and when that caution came out, I just thought this is an opportunity. Down here, the Mississippi yeah, we River. took four times there. Mm -hmm. okay. Go to Bob. Uh, Bob Cox, Fox Sports. Did you do this just for more track time? Did you do this for fun? Did you do this because yeah, that's HR wanted to maybe do something like just uh, check some stuff out on the Xfinity car that maybe they didn't want to do on like the double zero ninety eight? No, this is this is all about fun, Bob. Uh, honestly, and and. To be totally honest, and you could ask Janice, my wife, but after Coda, um, I thought, man, that was that was the dumbest thing I've ever done is to go run that Xfinity race. Um, I, I felt I felt so bad about myself after Coda. Um, we really struggled with the car we took there. Um, I, I was all over the place. I I was kind of running with my tongue hanging out to run in the top ten and made a mistake and spun out and just had a terrible day there. And 
I talked with uh, our race team, and, and said, we had already planned on coming here. And I was like, I don't, I don't really know if I want to do that, but let me think about it. And I went back and, and talked with Zippy and Joe and, and everybody at SHR, and I was like, no, I, I, w- I want to do that. I want to run, I want to run Sonoma. Um, of all places, that's my favorite road course, and I really want to run that race. So uh, we were able to put that that deal together. Um, Michael Roberts Construction. Uh, Mike Avila is a great friend of mine, and he said absolutely would love to love to help you run that race, and uh, everything kind of came together really easy. Uh, Ford and, and Doug Yates and everybody um, was excited that I was going to run here, and uh, we built the race car maybe a month or so ago, and, and they put a lot of work into it. We, we changed a lot of stuff from what we ran at Coda. And our car was so much better here this weekend. So, yeah, this is, this is purely about fun. Um, I don't think it really helps me in the cup car at all. I can tell you that almost with 100% certainty after going from the Xfinity car this morning and qualifying and then getting in the cup car uh, immediately after that. I, I did not personally feel like it was very beneficial. The brake markers are way different. Uh, the transmission is way different. Um, the, the way the car drives and handles and moves around is just way different. So, uh, yeah, it was not something to help me on the cup side. It was more just for fun. Let's turn to Jiffy Cornbread. We're going back to Dustin. Starting off with Dustin Long, NBC Sports. Boxes, Eric, uh, your children have seen you win before, so that in one sense milk, isn't new. But in a season where sugar, it's not been the easiest, in a season where you told us this week that, you know, hey, your, your plans are still fluid for next year. So, hey, maybe right here. This one of the we'll last opportunities. Maybe you go win a few more times. But now, usually, what y'all, does I'm it not mean to have your family, to have your children with you? Let me know if you can find it. I'm thinking they just put it on the shelf. In your career, yeah. Well, let me see if that thing gets it. It means the absolute world to me. I won at Loudon a couple years ago, and they weren't there. We were getting ready to leave on vacation. Um, that, there's a theme. We typically we find a way to victory lane before our off week. But yeah, when when I won it loud and I was really disappointed and as as time goes on you start to think like am I going to get to share that experience with them again Um, for me it's my favorite experience to share with my kids I mean I I I love going and and racing and and doing this as a family this is what we do I've never wanted this to be what I do and that I get on an airplane and leave to go race, and that they stay home, and Dad comes home, you know, at the wee hours of Sunday morning or, or Sunday night, Monday morning, and check back in as Dad, right? Like I, I've always wanted this to be something that we do. That's how I was raised. That's how Janice, my wife, was raised. We're going racing with her dad and mom, uh, motorcycle racing, and, and even in the NASCAR series uh, when her dad was a crew chief. So that's how that's how we just operate, and, and I love the fact that they get to come and be with me. Um, and, and I've told them sometimes Janice. Sometimes Janice is like, man, I know sometimes uh, it's a lot more work when we come with you, and if you ever want us to stay home, just tell me. And I have told her time and time again, I would I would rather run like absolute dog poop and have them here than to win every single race and then not be here. I mean, I just I love having them here. I love you know being a dad seven days a week, 24 hours a day, um, and so to share 
those moments where we get to have success and go to victory lane with them is special because they look up to me as, as dad, right? I think dad's pretty cool. But I'm even way cooler when we win, right? Like dad's... Yeah. Well, at least I feel that way. So, you know, maybe, maybe they don't care, but I feel that way. I feel way cooler um, to them when, when I win and, and share that experience with them. And, you know, for me, I get to share that experience on the flip side with them. Uh, Abby is amazing uh, at theater, and she's been the star of her show the last couple of shows. Uh, she, she had a lead role in, the, in her last performance with Lion King. She was Simba. Um, and it just fills me with so much pride and so much joy and, and, and happiness um, to share, you know, their success. And then Alex playing baseball this year, um, they went 15-1 and won, and won their league championship. And so to be there, that was Friday night before Gateway, and to be there and, and share that with him and run out on the field after they won and, and give him a high five and a hug, uh, those, those moments are what life is all about. And... For me, you know, these tro- the trophies and, and all that stuff, like, they collect dust and, you know, they, they don't really fulfill you. Uh, but for me, what, what fulfills me is, is sharing these life experiences with my family. Hold on about Kali. Just curious, since you've raced in the Xfinity race, is it code in here? Are you planning on doing the same thing for the street course? Um, no, uh, I think it's, I think the street course is comp- more complicated and I don't know, maybe you guys can tell me, but I had heard that there wasn't allowed to be any cup drivers at the Chicago street course. So maybe you guys could tell me differently, but I, I, I was told that no cup guys could run that race. I've not heard that. Oh, okay. Justin says he thinks that's the plan NASCAR, right? Okay. Yeah. So what, what, have you done anything to plan? And, you know, just being able to win at a, a course where you turn right and left, does that give you any confidence going into the unknown, like a Chicago, Chicago? course? Yeah. Absolutely not. <laughs> I've, I've already ran on the simulator twice there, and it's all I can do to make one lap without crashing. Uh, so I don't have a lot of confidence going there at all. I told Drew that uh, I feel like our plan should be to, to practice and, and learn as much as we can in practice, and then for qualifying we should leave and, and go watch the Cubs game or something um, and, and you know, make sure that we start in the back so we can avoid all the wrecks. Um, that's a joke. But, yeah, I, I, I do not feel very confident going to Chicago. I, I don't have any idea what to expect. Uh, we just, in the last two weeks, just got uh, the, the track profile uh, from NASCAR, the, the track scan, and so we think it's accurate, but we don't really know, but it is, it's a handful. The, the family's here with you. Do you guys have any big plans for the off week? Yeah, we're gonna we're actually going to stay out here um, in California. Janice's uh, sister lives out here, and uh, her parents uh, drove out here from Florida, so uh, we're going to spend, uh, spend the next... 10 days or so in uh, in California and hang out. We're going to go surfing and go hiking and, uh, yeah, do all sorts of fun stuff and hang out. Oh, and we're going to beehive. We're going to go beehive hiding. Yep. And we're going to go to some, some uh, yeah, some, we're going to go to a Dodgers game, right? We're going to a Dodgers game on Father's Day. We will go uh, in the back to back. I'm, I'm just curious. It sounds like you're in a 
very, you've been for the last year and a half in this uh, mindset where family it really is most important, number one to you right now. What's been the overall theme of this year from your perspective, um, both competition, personally, um, especially as you're weighing what might lie yeah. ahead? Um, man, just right off the top of my head, when I think about one word, I think of grind. <laughs> it's a grind. Um, it, it is It is absolutely a grind, and I'm doing a lot of stuff. Like, um, you know, we have a lot of sponsors and a lot of partners to take care of, and the, the race schedule, as you guys all know, you cover it. It's a grind. And trying to be a full-time dad and a full-time husband and find time to take my wife on date night and make every baseball game and make every theater performance and all of that stuff and, and you know, do some TV stuff with Fox, uh, with Race Hub and uh, just the amount of workload that I have going on right now is the, the best way I can describe it is a grind, and I have learned to embrace it. I have learned to embrace the grind and love the grind. Um, some days it's a little bit overwhelming, uh, but for most days uh, I love it. I have a great team of people around me uh, that help support me. Um, that I would, There's absolutely no way uh, that I could do it without them if I had to do it all on my own. But, um, yeah, I think... The, the best way to describe it for me is, is the ground, and I, and I love it. I'll take one final question in the back from John. JohnLeadTheHeavy.com. So last year, Cole, he won at Fontana with SS Greenlight, and then you won this year with RSS. What is it that you guys are able to bring to these smaller teams that kind of helps them break through for these first games in their system? Well, I think it's parts and pieces, right? Um, you know, a lot of those smaller teams... Uh, race with a lot of used parts, used brakes. Um, they don't get to spend a lot of time massaging on their cars in the Hawkeye and, you know, trying to fine-tune. They're just trying to get the race car to the racetrack. And I think that, you know, them having an alliance with a team like Stewart Racing gives them the opportunity to have somebody come over to their shop you know, we, we, we go over there, our guys, um, and, and massage on their stuff. They bring their car over to our shop. We pull it down on the pull-down rig, um, change out suspension parts, and, and put suspension parts on their car that they don't have, uh, massage on the body um, to, to get everything out of the, the aerodynamics that you can, just all those little things. And in a series that's as competitive as, as the Xfinity series, all that stuff matters. Um, that's the difference between running 20th and top 10, and the difference between running top 10 and top 5 is just more of the detail stuff. Um, and, and I think that that's, that's the difference between an organization like Stuart Haas Racing and, and, you know, RSS, is, is that we just have we have more resources, more manpower, and, and a lot more experience at looking at all the little details and, and, and getting the most out of the race car. All right, Eric. Thank you. Congratulations. Yep. Thanks, Appreciate guys. your time. Good afternoon, everyone. We will continue our media availabilities today. We are now joined by our race winning owner, Joe Gibbs. We'll go ahead and open it up for questions. If you have one, please raise your hand and we will get to you. We'll start in the back with Zach. Zach. 
Dexter Neal with NASCAR.com. Coach, congrats on, on the win. I'm, I'm curious, seeing how the team struggled so much last year on the road courses, to see what Toyota as, yeah. as a whole has done this year uh, and to see Denny get the pole, Martin pull off the, the victory. Um, what has been the change that you have seen over the course of the last year? Well, you're, you're right. When we came here last year, I would say it's probably one of the worst races we've had you know, at our race team. And, you know, we just really struggled. We got off the slow start all of last year, as everybody knows. And I think really what happened, what I was proud of, as the year went, I felt like we got a little better, a little better, a little better, a little better. And I think that's what happened. Uh, we wound up at the end of the year winning the Roval. Uh, we started off at Coda, and we had, you know, Tyler – win there in a Toyota, and I think when we came here, you know, I just really, really appreciate everybody back home. Everybody's worked as hard as they have worked, and I was I was standing down there so nervous those last 10 laps, and I just realized how hard it is to win one of these, and I know it, you guys in here know it. You witness it every week, but I'm just going to tell you it's extremely hard. And I was thinking of all the things that could happen, a late caution again or whatever. So I just really appreciate it. we got Johnny Morris. Really appreciate him. Uh, Jamie Wisenhunt at uh, Auto Owners. we got Norm at Interstate. All the sponsors that go on that car and make this possible. Uh, it's a big deal for us. Reesers also is a part of that uh, sponsorship team. And as you guys know, this, our sport's different than any other sport. You, you're not going to race cars unless you have great partners. And I don't look at them as a partner, really. They're not really sponsors. They're partners. We'll go in the back to Tom. And then right here in the middle. Tom's Zaleski, Iron County today. This is Martin's fourth win here, Coach. Yeah. What uh, what, is make, what has made him so good here to yeah. be, be able to do it this often? You, you even said yourself how hard it is. Well, he flew out on the plane with me this morning. There was only two of us on the plane. And so I kind of said to him early, I said, hey, look, you know, they reconfigured the track, you know, here not long ago. Did you – where do – the three wins, where, where, what did you win? He said, on both of them. <laughs> and I really think he's confident when he comes here. Uh, it really feels like he's got a real feel for Sonoma. Why that would happen with the driver, we all know. We see it from time to time. Drivers seem to have a real, um, a real, I think, confidence about some tracks, and he's th he's that way here. Um, our, our team this year, we've got off to a slow start. Really, I think for us. And there's a couple of areas that we're working extremely hard on. Um, our qualifying was really, really encouraging here. And then we got some other issues that we're trying to really get after. So uh, proud of our guys. They work hard when they get behind. So, so just so your reference, 2019 was the, with the uh, carousel, right? I got you, yeah. All right, we'll come right here in the middle. And if there's any other questions for Coach, please raise your hand. Otherwise, we'll continue with... Our crew chief, James Small. Hi, Coach. Hey there, Adam Carabine yeah. from RacingRefresh.com. Yeah. Um, it seems like Martin Truex Jr. has got a little extra swagger this year and a little extra, you know, pump in his step. Um, what do you attribute that to? I, obviously, he had a win earlier this year as well, but what's yeah. going on with him? 
Well, I think our team, James, has got the guys. I think we've been fast. And I think he gets excited when he has fast cars. Been top five, you know, the two weeks previous to this. And that gets him excited, you know. Um, and so I, I guess that would be like almost any driver. He goes to the racetrack with a lot of confidence. I think it's very important. He and James have a great relationship. And Martin may be, James will tell you this, may be one of the absolute best at dealing with adversity. He is just even, you know what I mean? And uh, in our technical meetings and everything, he's the he's the driver that's real calm, thinking through stuff. And that's just his personality. That's, what, that's the way he deals with things. But we've kind of got off to a slow start. This is a big deal for us. He won, you know, obviously it was great to be out in the Coliseum and have him win there to kind of get started. Now we've got two more, so it's a big deal for us. We'll take one last question in the back from Dustin for Coach, and then we'll move to James. Dustin Long, NBC Sports. Uh, Joe, you, you talked last year uh, in, the, in the contract stuff with, with Kyle. You know, you hope you never have to race against him. Um, he's got three wins. He finished second today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's had some ups and downs, but what is it like now to have to race against Kyle Busch? It's not fun. Yeah, we don't, we don't like that. Okay, <laughs> and certainly we didn't want that to happen. It did, and you know he's he's a real talent. Got such respect for him, and you know we don't like racing against Kyle. I think he's going to win a bunch, and we know it. And so we got to work our guts out to try and stay in front of him. And I'm just thankful today that you know Martin was able to to stay there. And one other thing is just about. Obviously, a lot of uh, expectations are with, with Ty, with the success that he had last year. How do you view what he's been able to do so far the first 16 races of the yeah, season? Yeah, he gets discouraged. He gets mad. You know, he was mad today. Qualified good. Uh, but, you know, it, it's i got to tell you, again, that emphasizes, I think, how hard this is. And you try and keep him calm, but he gets revved up. And uh, he, he just really wants to get after it, and uh, we're proud of kind of, of what he's done. I think he and Chris have kind of good, got a good relationship. He's, we've had some different things happen to him, and, um, but I think, you know, he's after it, so we feel good about that. All right, you Coach, know. thank you for your time, and congratulations. We'll let you go, and we'll continue on with, with James. If you have a question for James, please raise your hand, and we will get to you. We'll start in the back with Lee and then go to Zach. Just remember, James, it was all owner. <laughs> Lee Spencer, com. Congratulations, James. Um, you know, there, to kind of follow up on what Dustin was saying, Trix has been talking, you know, he's been on the fence about retirement the last few years, too. Does running well just kind of, you know, solve all ills, I mean, or cure all ills? I mean, he seems so reinvigorated this year. He seems like... You know, Martin of old. Yeah, definitely running uh, well definitely doesn't hurt, but, you know, he plays his uh, cards pretty close to his chest, so who knows what the hell he's thinking. But, uh, you know, it's definitely uh, all pointing in the right direction if he wants to stick around. What's the difference between, you know, last year and this year? We make less mistakes. Nothing. We never change that process. We never stop believing. It's just we're executing. You know, you have to be, to win a race, you have to be perfect. You have to execute. 
and so many times last year we were so close and just things would go wrong and, and things like that. And to be, great, to be fair, like we're doing a better job now uh, as a team, you know, on pit road with the cars, everything. And, uh, you know, the guys back at the shop have been working really hard. But, you know, the way we ran here last year, we were terrible. It was embarrassing. You know, you come to Sonoma with Martin Truex and you expect to, to win. And uh, thankfully today we gave him a car and he was able to do that. We'll go to Zach. Zach Sterniel of NASCAR.com. James, to that point, um, with as bad as Toyota as a whole was last year, what have you noticed, um, particularly at JGR, that's different um, for your road course program this year that has allowed the manufacturer to um, produce results? Uh, just, I think, some of the changes with the aero package helped us. It uh, fixed what potentially we thought were some of our weaknesses. Um, and, you know, we have a better understanding of a car on road courses now So uh, and what we need. We were having to do things last year that were so out of the box to try and make, you know, make the car do things in certain areas that we thought it needed to do. And, and now, you know, everything just makes more sense. We don't seem so stupid anymore. So, uh, yeah, it's nice from our end that uh, we can go back to using logic. Are there any other questions for James? We'll go in the back to Bob. Bob Hawkers, Fox Sports. James, it, it seems that with uh, with the transaxle and these cars kind of made for road courses, that guys are making less mistakes. Were you, knowing that you kind of had the dominant car, were you feeling any, I guess, more confident or a little bit more hopeful that the race would just play out without any caution, without any or many cautions? Yes, that was my hope. I said this morning, I just hope this race goes green because we'll kill them. And, uh, you know, we had those two cautions at not great times, obviously trying to get stage points there at the end of the second stage and, uh, you know, at the end. But uh, thankfully, you know, it all kind of worked out. So uh, even when you look back last year, well, there was a caution for an engine blow-up and a, and a wheel that fell off. So we weren't expecting many, and uh, we didn't really get that many. Go in the back to Dustin. Dustin Long, NBC Sports. Uh, James, top seven in points within 32, uh, 32 points. So obviously there's still a lot of movement. Obviously I know there's 10 races left in the regular season, but that's a lot of movement for a lot of playoff points. As you talk about execution, what are these next 10 races going to be like uh, for you and for everybody else trying to compete for those spots? Yeah, it's just trying to make the most out of every day with you know the car you have. If you have a fifth place car, you need to run fifth or better and just try and score as many points as possible because you know there's a there's a a huge amount of playoff points for first in points and you know that's something I'm sure everybody's got their eye on but you know we're working towards trying to achieve that. Also um, you know I know you got the off weekend but after that you got Nashville and then the street course in Chicago. How much work have you guys done on Chicago or how much have you started looking at that or is that start, starting to come up for you? It's starting to come up now you know in all things that we live in the simulation world we're waiting on track scans and things like that so uh, yeah, we'll get to work on that this week, and, um, you know, that's going to be an interesting race, that's for sure. Scott. Hi, Adam Carabine from RacingRefresh.com. Uh, you get the win the week before the off week, the only off week of the season. Does that mean you get to celebrate an extra week, or is it right back to work tomorrow? I guess so. You're only as good as your last weekend, so at least we get to savor that for two. So uh, we're not complaining. 
Right. Do you have any big plans for the off week, or are you right back to work? Uh, I'll go into work tomorrow and just make sure I go and thank everyone at the company one by one. And uh, yeah, I'm going to Colorado for a few days, so chill out for a week. We'll go over here to John in the back. JohnNewbieHeavy.com. I was talking to Michael McDowell out there, and he said that with the next-gen car, it's to the point where the competition level is just so even because the drivers, they already have that talent, but the cars are so close. So how much confidence and how much does it make your job easier having Martin as your driver, especially at tracks like this? Yeah, it definitely helps. Like, he just knows every little thing, and in and out, like, bump, curb, where you need to be, and uh, everywhere on this track, you know. He's obviously got the most wins here, led the most laps, and, you know, it definitely makes my job easier, you know, working with him here, that's for sure. Any final questions? All right, we'll wrap with Dustin. Hey, James, on that caution at 51 that just kind of flipped everything, and I know obviously you guys came out 10th, first car with tires. How was it, you know, what, what did it mean to, for Martin to get up there, or how important was it to get through there quickly? What did you see out of what he was able to do? Obviously, he's got a fast car, probably the best car out there, but you can easily get in a situation and get yourself in trouble and ruin your day pretty easily, too. Yeah, for sure. You, it's, with this car, it's so easy to do, and, and when you get damaged with it, it kind of just turns to shit. So, uh, you know, he, he was methodical about how he got through there, and, and by doing so, he also didn't use up his tires, you know, too much, so we could chase down Kyle, but... Uh, you know, all those restarts, that one and then the M1, you know, he just kept his head and, and, and was really smart. Awesome. All right, James, thank you for your thank time. You. Congratulations. We will go ahead and continue our media availabilities for this afternoon with our winner, Martin Truex Jr. If you have a question, please raise your hand and we will get a mic over to you as soon as possible. We'll start in the back with Zach and then we will go to Lee. <laughs> Zach Sterniola, NASCAR.com. Martin, congratulations on this. Um, we've Thanks. talked kind of at length about the uh, struggles that Toyota had on the road courses last year. Yeah. What did you feel that was um, that allowed you to excel today and the, the really the whole of Joe Gibbs Racing? You know, just um, <clears throat> the, everything it took to be successful here. I mean, honestly, it's um, – you know, we had some issues last year Then we'd show up at road courses and we would kind of outsmart ourselves or try to, like, reinvent the wheel, come up with some super crazy trick setup because we knew our cars were not as good as the other manufacturers, you know. Um, so we shot ourselves in the foot a few times, and here was one of them for sure. Like, we came here and completely disregarded everything we know about this track thinking it was a new car and it's going to be different and and um, we ran terrible and it was like okay that was dumb we're idiots and uh but no i mean i think honestly just a lot of hard work in the off season um you know nascar obviously let everybody do some redesigning on the front end with the, the louvers and the nose and all that stuff and i think we were able to get you know get our cars to where the other guys were uh and and closer to you know I guess maybe the Chevrolets that were super fast on the road courses last year. So that was a part of it. And then just, uh, you know, James and, and my engineers and, and our team, um, you know, working hard to get, figure out a good setup that I would like and it would something that would work for me here. Um, that was like what we used to run in the past. So there's a lot to it. It's really hard to even, un, you know, explain it. 
tons of hard work in the off season from every angle um, on road courses, on short tracks, and really on everything. But but short tracks and road courses for sure were a big focus um, as a as a group with Toyota and with with JGR. We'll go to Lee and then to Jeff. Can't hear you. LeeSpencerCatchFence.com. Sorry for the it's all right. delay. Um, Martin, once you were out front, you really could check out, and Kyle said he gave it everything he had in those final three laps, but um, would you rather have Kyle as your teammate racing against him or rather have him in a different organization racing against him, or does it matter? I don't think it matters. You know, I think Kyle and I have raced um, together long enough and have enough respect for, for one another to race hard but race clean. I think we understand each other, know our limits. And, um, you know, honestly, I think in the last, uh, I don't know, 17, 18 years, we've had maybe two run-ins where it was like, oh, that was that was stupid. I was an idiot. <laughs> you know what I mean? One on, I think one for each of us, literally. And um, we've had some great races. We finished one, two a lot of times. We've battled for for the lead for wins a bunch and um you know he's he's great to race with i'd i'd race with him any day of the week for for a win and um and and feel like we could do it fair we could do it hard and respectfully so um i was totally fine with with him being at the front with me and uh you know obviously i'm lucky i'm i'm happy he didn't get close but um you know because he would have been getting after it like he always does but uh no concerns at all to race against kyle and how valuable was clean air? Because it seemed like the guy out front, it was, you know, unless you had fresh tires behind, you were pretty well set. Yeah, I mean, you know, we came from 10th there, uh, halfway through the race there, or end of stage two when that caution fell, and, and we got, you know, some guys had just pitted not long before that. So we had to restart 10th, and it's tough to pass here. It always has been. There's only, you know, two really good passing zones, and, uh, even those are difficult sometimes to get it get it set up right with with a guy even if he has a little bit older tires so you just kind of just try to pressure a guy and make him slip somewhere and, and find an opening but um it's definitely hard to pass and you know clean air is, is obviously a big deal I don't think it was as bad as last year by any means um, with you know the package we have now the short track package I think it was a little bit better than last year for sure I mean I could run close to guys you just lose a little bit of grip and, you know, at a track where you're just sliding all the time and you don't have much grip to begin with, it makes it tough. Um, but I think for for us, being a leader, being able to drive away, just our car was that good. You know, I could manage tires easier and, and not have to run as hard to lead. Uh, and that's always – it always kind of makes the lead get bigger and look easier than it is. Go to Jeff and then to Bob. Martin, um, you know, obviously – it was the cars last year, right? But at the time, is it, yeah, yeah, cars, yeah, and cars and setups. But so yeah, but I guess is there any part of that when when your performance falls off, does the doubt start to creep in? Like, oh crap, like is no. it me and my part? You, you knew. Yeah, I mean, I knew I know how to get around this track, right? So it's like, all right, you know, maybe I'm not the the best driver at this track. I don't know. Maybe somebody else could go a tenth of a second faster than my car than I do. I doubt they could, but. It's possible, right? But they're not going to be a second off like we were last year. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. We just we knew we were off. So it's you don't even question it when you're that far off. It's like, it's like yeah, that was dumb. What, what were we even thinking? And um, 
you know, we kind of knew before the race even started we screwed up, but we couldn't do anything about it because it's like you come with certain setup and it's, and you can't change it after practice. But, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I got that question a lot last year because we didn't win. But, like, I never thought we couldn't win again. We should have won a bunch of races last year, even though our cars weren't probably the best cars in the field. Toyota, as a group, probably was off. I still felt like we should have won five or six races. And, you know, we did think we made mistakes. We had some bad luck. We had some crazy things happen. Um, and that's just racing. But I don't think any of us ever got down. That's why my team's all the same, you know, still right now. And we never gave gave up believing in each other. We just kept working hard. We're like, we just got to work harder. We got to be smarter. We got to make better decisions. And, um, and you put better cars with that. You know, the next thing you know, you're winning races. You're leading laps again. So. Um, I never thought we couldn't win another race. Sometimes you think you may not win another race, but we know we we're, are capable. That's different, I think. And what was your interaction with Shaq like just now? Uh, it was cool. You know, I think he was he was nice. I think um, Dale Jr. and him did something years ago at, um, I don't know, it was for Nationwide or something. I think he did like a ride around. <clears throat> he took him around Concord Motor Speedway. And so he just told me the story about getting to meet him and how cool he was and all that. So... I told him that, and he's like, oh, that's nice. But, um, yeah, he was nice, nice guy. I, um, I didn't know he was a DJ. Who would have thought? But uh, he's killing it out there. <laughs> They're rocking. We'll it's like a to, dance club. We'll go to Bob, and then in the back to Tom, and then to Adam. Uh, Bob Parker's Fox Sports. Uh, Martin, at the end of most road course races, if there's a late caution, there seems to be, you know, total chaos. So why wasn't there today? Just the track layout. Um, you know, narrow track. You go through turn one up the hill to turn two. There's not a lot of room for, like, dive bombs. There's no room for guys to, you know, okay, compared to, like, Indianapolis, for example, you have a long straightaway that's eight cars wide or eight car, you know, car widths wide going into a corner that's two cars wide, flat, 90 degrees. This is like you get through turn one, it's slippery, it's kind of narrow. There's nowhere to go. You can't dive bomb people and just go in there like you do at Coda. You know, you go up the hill and everybody bonsai's and it's five wide and you got to turn, you know, uh, I don't know, 120 degrees or 180 degrees to go back the other way and, and you get run, o- run over and run into. So just the track layout. And, and that's why I think, you know, I watched watching Portland last weekend with, with moving the Xfinity starting uh, the box to restart in back. That made their restarts a lot more sane and, and racy, too, and not as, as much of just a clown show where you know, everybody bonsai's into turn one at the end of the race and runs through each other. We were a victim of that at Coda, and it's frustrating. Um, but it's just the layout here of the track keeps that from happening for the most part. All right, we'll go to Tom. Tom Zaleski on County Today. This is your fourth win here, Martin. Um, almost Gordon territory. But here's the. Th- but, but how how did the lack of the stage cautions and not having that uh, having that luxury did that did that affect your strategy at all? Yeah, it did. I mean, you know, I think if it was if there was going to be yellow flags at the stages, we would have you know threw away our stage points and pitted before the stage, which is what we you know I talked about yesterday when I was here. Um, you know, that's I think why we we all like this. You know, with stage racing is awesome. I love it. I think everything about it is great. But at road courses, you had to, you had to, for the most part, say, okay, we're just going to give up stage points because we think we can win the race. You kind of had to pick and choose. Um, so I think today, you know, showed that it worked out. 
Uh, we were able to get some stage points, not as many as we should have because towards the end of stage two there, the caution fell and we pitted and some guys stayed out. But, you know, in general, I think for the overall strategy of road course racing, it's better without the, uh, the, the stops when you, when you get the stage breaks. All right, we'll come down here to Adam and then to Steven in the middle. Hi, Martin. Uh, Adam Carabine from RacingRefresh.com. Um, we were talking a little earlier with Coach Gibbs. He was here talking about your confidence this year and how you seem like maybe you're a bit rejuvenated. I'm sure winning helps. Um, but maybe you can talk to just how important it was to win the clash to start off the season. I know it wasn't a points race. Yeah, I mean, I think I talked about it right after that, that it was a big deal for us just to, you know, understand that, um, you know, we were we were – making the right decisions. Um, you know, short tracks were a struggle for us last year. And, you know, to go to the class and do that, I was like, okay, we're, we're you know, we're, we're going down the right road here with the things that we're thinking that we did wrong last year and the things we're working on, the direction we're heading um, for short tracks. Uh, that, that was a good confidence booster, you know, and confidence is a huge part of this. Um, and I've said it a lot, that it's not so much for the driver, I don't think, it's more for the, you know, the engineer, the crew chief, the guys that are, like, making the big decisions on the car. There's so many things they have to decide on before we come to the track of, you know, what they're going to put in the car with the simulation and all the things that they have to do. There's a lot of assumptions. There's a lot of guesswork involved. You have to be confident in yourself that, you know, your intuition is a part of that. It's not just computers telling you exactly how to set the car up. So confidence for those guys is a big thing. And um, when you get – going down a direction that's working for you and you can make small tweaks it's a lot easier than being out being out way out in left field and having to figure it all out and change everything at once so um it's just a work in progress thanks congrats yeah. thank you we'll come to the middle here to steven uh steven stump frontrush.com uh, martin after your most recent win before today at sonoma in 2019 chevrolet went on to win 15 of the next 16 road races Toyota's now won three in a row. Reddick dominated at Coda. You've now dominated here. Would you say that, you know, Toyota's back, maybe even ahead of Chevrolet at this point when it comes to this department? I don't know. There's only two down. So what's her uh, four to go? Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, I don't know. I think, you know, the interesting thing about this is, you know, all the road courses we do now are very different. Um it's hard to say. Like, it could be an organizational thing. It could be a manufacturer thing. Like, last year it was definitely a manufacturer thing for us, at least. Uh, we were we were pretty far off. But, you know, I think it can be a manufacturer or a, a team thing as well, you know, with, like, Reddick last year. And, 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 you know, Hendrick a couple years ago were crazy strong on road courses. So it just depends. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. We've got four more to go. We'll see how, how it shakes out, I guess. Okay. And then – uh, five more maybe, yeah. yeah. And then uh, – with the points you earned today, you jumped from fourth in the regular season points to the lead. Um, oh, there's that's, nice. that's a nice surprise. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 10 races left. Obviously, goals to win as many races, <laughs> but now that the 15 points are potentially on the line, how does strategy change going forward for you guys? It doesn't. Um, try to win every stage, try to win every race. I mean, that's kind of what we've always done, even last year when we didn't do any of that. <laughs> you know, that was always our goal when we'd go into a weekend, so it doesn't really change anything. All right, thank you. Thank you. And congrats. Are there any final questions for Martin? All right, Martin. Thank, thank you, you for your time. Much. Congratulations. Thank you all. All right. Bonjour. Welcome. Thank you all for joining us today.
for our official NASCAR Garage 56 Meet the Team. As you can see here, we are joined by some legends of motorsports. Uh, my name is Josh Hamilton with NASCAR, and on behalf of NASCAR, we are honored to be here this week uh, participating in the 24 Hours of Le Mans. To my left, I have John Doonan, IMSA president, who has also overseen the Garage 56 uh, pro program for NASCAR. Chad Knaus, Hendrick Motorsports vice president of competition, seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion crew chief. Jensen Button, 2009 Formula One world champion. Jimmy Johnson, seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion and co-owner of Legacy Motor Club in the NASCAR Cup Series and Mike Rockenfeller, who is a two-time 24-hour of Le Mans winner. Uh, quick overview of our program today. We'll have some remarks up here, 10 to 15 minutes. We'll take some group photos and then go into breakout sessions. So there will not be time for, for media questions up on stage. We will do that after. I will let you know where each representative will be. We'll also be joined by a few other folks available as well. And with that, we all get right into the program. Mr. Doonan, for those not familiar, if you can just give us an overview. Uh, what is this Garage 56 project? What's NASCAR doing in Le Mans? Good afternoon, everyone. And to add my welcome on behalf of Jim France and the entire France family, all of our NASCAR colleagues and all of my teammates at IMSA, welcome to Le Mans. Welcome to our Arena 24 Garage 56 space. Um, if you talk about why NASCAR is here, you need to rewind the clock back to 1976 and a vision that Jim's dad, Bill France Sr., had to put NASCAR further onto a global stage. NASCAR was booming in the south of the United States, and Bill, in his vision, felt like it deserved international attention. Fast forward to 2023, Jim wanted to recreate that. And there's no better way and time to recreate it than with the next-gen car. The next-gen cup car represents the latest and most technologically advanced cup car ever. And it is very close to the GT cars that race here. So it was the perfect opportunity to put NASCAR once again on an international stage. Jim knocked on the door of my office and said, John, because of our IMSA relationship with the ACO, do you think we could present the idea to be the Garage 56 entry here at Le Mans? Uh, of course, uh, embrace that wholeheartedly. And then it was an opportunity to start putting together the partner list. We wanted to put together the best in NASCAR history. First, the winningest manufacturer in history, Chevrolet. The winningest and the tire partner of NASCAR since 1954, Goodyear. And finally, the winningest team in NASCAR history, Hendrick Motorsports. And you don't win 14 championships in the Cup Series without being the best of the best. So congratulations. We're thrilled to have Rick here with us. We're thrilled to have Stu Grant and so many of his Goodyear colleagues, Mark Stilo, Todd Christensen, and so many from Chevrolet. And also, to rewind that clock, we're thrilled to have Herschel McGriff here with us, who was part of that driver lineup in 1976. Herschel, so good to have you with us. Throughout the process, it was extremely important that we kept as much of the NASCAR DNA 
as possible for the Garage 56 entry from the way it sounds, the way that it looks, and the way that it performs. And thanks to an amazing group at Hendrick Motorsports, uh, we've certainly achieved that. Uh, in the end, uh, we had to decide who was going to pilot this effort, and we're going to talk to the drivers in a moment. But to pass the baton over to uh, a legend, but someone now that I feel like I can call one of my best friends, uh, Chad Knaus. Chad, we're finally here. Um, remember those first phone calls and uh, sort of our uh, nervousness about it, but we're finally here. Yeah, we are. And uh, thank you, everybody, for coming today to the reception. And I can go back three years, and uh, Jimmy and I were working with uh, Action Express, and Mr. Hendrick grabbed me by the arm one day and said, hey, I need you to help Jimmy go run the 24 hours of Daytona. At that point, I started to work closely with Mr. France, and Jimmy and I went on to run the endurance races with Mike uh, in the IMSA series. And then a little bit after that, Mr. France sent me a letter and said uh, from his assistant saying, uh, Mr. France requests your attendance in Le Mans. And I was like, what in the world is that about? So I ended up coming over here with Mr. France for a short stint. Unbeknownst to me, he already had the wheel spinning on what his plan was. He was kind of baiting us in from the very start, and he had a grandmaster plan. Um, so I was very fortunate to come and spend about four days here uh, two years ago during the COVID pandemic, and the experience was amazing. And then last year, we come back with a site visit with the with the intention of really trying to understand what it is that we wanted to do, working closely with Goodyear, Chevrolet at that point in time, meetings with Todd and everybody, Mark Stilo, and then me coming back and feeding this information to Mr. Hendrick. And the excitement at that point just skyrocketed. And when we saw last year as a company at Hendrick Motorsports, we knew that we wanted to be involved in Le Mans. We knew that we wanted to take part in it. We wanted to show everybody what Hendrick Motorsports was capable of doing with a Gen 7 car. And, uh, gosh, it's hard to believe it was only about 18 months ago when we had our first meeting. And, and here we sit today with a car that we feel very comfortable with. The drivers have been comp complimentary of a pit crew that is capable of pitting the car at a very fast pace and uh, welcomed with open arms. So it's an honor to be here today, John, and thank you for all of your support and, and everybody sitting up there in front of me, and especially these guys here driving the race car. It was awesome to have the number 48 Ally car in the IMSA Championship, the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, and now we come almost halfway around the world. Yeah. It's pretty amazing, isn't it, how it, it all is. ties together? It is. Well, then it was about who were going to be our pilots. And uh, Jim, Rick, myself, Chad, Jeff Gordon, we sat at the table at Hendrick Motorsports and talked about uh, experience, pace, performance, and also a worldwide reach. And I can, uh, I think, say with uh, huge confidence that we checked every one of those boxes. Um, and so, Mr. Button, uh, you got the phone call. <laughs> Little uh, discussions among the other drivers about what they were doing and things like that. Um, what is it like to drive that beast around Le Mans? First of all, uh, good, good afternoon, everyone. It's, uh, it's very special to be here, um, not only because it's the best, for me, the best race in the world, it's the best team event in the world, but also with these guys. You know, this is such an, uh, an amazing team that, uh, that everyone's put together. Um, the first actual time I saw the car was back in Sebring in December. So uh, I'd already spoken to Jimmy about his possibility of racing at Le Mans in a, in a cup car, and I thought he was crazy initially um and 
And then I spoke to, to Rocky, and Rocky said, I'm testing at Sebring. Do you want to come along? I was like, yeah. Got on the next flight. Um, he checked with John if it was okay if I could come and watch. A red eye. Oh, yeah, took a red eye. Yeah, took a red eye. I arrived. The car was in the pits. I was like, oh, it looks, looks cool. Um, and then I went and watched on track. And uh, if you haven't seen this car live yet, it's an absolute beast. Um, when you see it go by and you hear it, it just puts a massive smile on your face. And for me, after my long career in F1, I wanted to do stuff that was fun. You know, I'm in, a, I'm in a very lucky position. I can just go and do fun racing. It's not so much a job anymore. Uh, and this just ticked all the boxes. And um, immediately, you know, I spoke to you guys and uh, said, where, where do I sign? <laughs> I want to go racing. So that's how it started. And here we are now, you know, six months later. We've been through lots of testing. We've had so much fun along the way. We've, it's been such an enjoyable experience. Uh, and I think that we've progressed a lot. And here we are, qualified four and a half seconds quicker than all the GTE cars. I think it's a phenomenal How effort by the whole team. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it's, it's down to everyone. Obviously, Rocky did the lap time, so, you know, give him a little bit of praise. But uh, it's down to the whole team. You know, I think that everything has been just spot on. All the homework that's been done by this team is phenomenal. And I would put it up there with... One of the best teams I've raced with in the world. Yeah. Thank you, Jensen. And as I said, one of the keys was keeping as much NASCAR DNA in this project as we could. And uh, who better to um, bring on than uh, the winningest active uh, and, uh, and living NASCAR champion, seven-time Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy, um, you got the chance in the DPI car, but uh, when this call came, what did it mean now to be able to showcase nascar on an international stage it was uh it's been so special and, and for many many reasons i've always had a great interest in sports car racing and early in my nascar career was able to race in the, the daytona rolex 24 a handful of times all hopeful that i could someday come to Le Mans and, and compete with all the years of nascar and then a few years in indycar we're always busy on this weekend i've been able to make it so literally the first year that i am available and able to make it um, I get to come with my NASCAR family, my Hendrick family, Chevrolet. Um, you know, there's so many familiar faces in this room and also in the garage. Many that I've worked with, of course, Chad, uh, Greg Ives, um, many men and women throughout the, the program itself here on Garage 56. So it's really been uh, amazing. It's, just, it's been a, a great experience that really hits home and feels, feels really, really good. So Jensen came on the radio uh, in his best Lightning McQueen imitation, said, this is so much fun, and I am fast. And now, Jimmy, uh, we brought not only you, but we brought uh, what the ACO wanted. We, we drew the car with air jacks, thanks to our partners at Delara. And the ACO said, oh, no, we want to bring a traditional NASCAR pit stop to Le Mans. Talk about that, Jimmy. Obviously, you've probably done thousands of NASCAR pit stops in your career, but to have the athletes of NASCAR as part of this, what does that mean to, to you guys? It's amazing, and they, they stand out compared to everybody else on pit lane, which is, which is impressive. And to see um, them perform during the pit stop competition, I think fifth overall, was yes, it? Yes, sir. With, with right. uh, traditional jack is spectacular and we're all so proud and then when we walk down pit lane we yeah. have to go the entire distance you guys have a career as security guards that was very we good do. they're clearing the way for your crew 
the jack man still had the jack and came all the way down pit lane and stood on the podium, which was incredible. But uh, again, just the attention of detail. Um, when we did our 24-hour test session, um, they did live and active stops every single time. So uh, it's, it's just been a very impressive program start to finish. And I feel like um, we have felt the responsibility to come over and show the level of professionalism that exists in NASCAR and exists in the U.S. And I think um, it, we, we've done a really, really nice job of that. So we talked about global reach. We talked about NASCAR DNA with Jimmy. Then we talk about experience. Um, out of the three drivers here for sure, this one has the most laps here, and not only in the car, but I think in simulators over the years. Rocky, two times standing on the top step of the podium here. Um, you've also uh, now been, in fact, all three of them are now NASCAR Cup drivers. They've all run in NASCAR Cup races. But Rocky, uh, talk about what it means. You've been in this project from day one in the simulator at Hendrick and at Chevrolet's Performance Center, GM's Performance Center. What, what, is, what does this project mean to you? Um, <laughs> I mean, to be honest, it's, it's just so great to sit here now uh, after such a, well, long time and short time. Um, you know, when, when I got asked uh, in Sebring, I think it was last year in March, if I'm interested, I said, what are you doing, NASCAR and Le Mans? Uh, I don't know. And, uh, and then I understood who is involved and, um, you know, what an opportunity it is um, once, of a, you know, once in a lifetime, basically. Um, I think people will talk about these cars for a long, long time, uh, this car for a long, long time going around Le Mans. And um, to be one of the drivers, it's just an honor to do all the development from the beginning. And then luckily those two joined. Uh, so it was not all on me. And um, yeah, it was just great, you know, to be in the simulator. Uh, I remember Jeff Gordon was there on the first day and uh, myself driving. And, you know, when we started with the cup car, um, we felt already there's so much potential. And then we tweaked it and, and we got faster and faster in Le Mans on the sim. But you never know until you hit the real track. And to be here now, you know, having qualifying done, uh, actually faster than we expected from the sim a little bit, but pretty close. I think uh, everybody can be so proud. And, yeah, it's just fun. Everybody in the paddock, all the drivers, they come up and they're like, wow, this car is so cool. Um, they were impressed by the pit stops and, yeah. I think so far we overachieved almost, and uh, now it's the big race ahead of us. And, um, of course, the goal is to finish, to do a good job there. And, uh, you know, 24 hours, no matter if it's Daytona, Le Mans, Nürburgring, Spa, all those races, it's tough. The weather is tough, and uh, some things happen which you don't expect. Um, we did a lot of preparation, endurance tests. Uh, we had, you know, very little issues, I have to say. I think I've never done a development of a car with so little problems. But we had one which was kind of an ongoing story, and uh, we managed to fix it. Um, so, again, it's so cool. And uh, like the other guy said, Hendrik Motorsports, unbelievable. I mean, they even, I didn't expect, you know, how much they, they want to win, yeah. you know, in every, like, pit stop, quality, everything. And that's so cool. That's a good spirit. So, mentioned the weather. Uh, thanks to Stu Grant, Rich Kramer, and everybody. Justin Fantosi at Goodyear. We spent. Remember the morning we drove out to the, the uh, San Angelo Research Test Center. 
It was pitch black. I thought we were never going to be seen again. Um, and we spent the day there working on a wet tire, didn't we? Yeah, that was interesting. That was very interesting, um, to be honest. I've never done that before on like a flat patch. And it was really good because we really could adjust the level of water and, you know, try different tires so fast. Like, uh, I don't know how many sets we ran through, but a lot. So thanks to Goodyear. And uh, I guess we need it, uh, it looks like. The weather forecast says there will be definitely some wet spots, so let's let's see how the tire does. I think the the slick uh, was really great so far. Slick tire really performed well, uh, not only on one lap but also for a whole stint. And I hope the rain tire um, does the same thing. Yeah, and you mentioned Hendrick, first class all the way. The 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 garage, the the way we look, the way we operate, it's been been over the top. And then finally, Chevrolet. Uh, Jordan Taylor's here as well, one of the Corvette factory drivers. He's been a, a great addition to this project and helped throughout the testing. Um, but Chevrolet has been instrumental. We've done, what, three 30-hour engine tests running laps of Le Mans in their cells, both, I think, in, uh, in North Carolina as well as in Pontiac, Michigan. Really, really proud of that. And as Rocky said, just uh, very smooth uh, throughout the development project. And um, speaking of Chevrolet, um, since I was a little boy, I would go to the motor show uh, with my dad. And I always wanted to, because dad was in racing, see the connection between race car and street car and the belief that the racetrack can be the absolute best laboratory for testing as well as marketing. And I'm pleased to announce on behalf of our partners at Chevrolet that there will be... Um, a <laughs> special, a 2024 Chevrolet Camaro ZL1 Garage 56 Edition. <laughs> the car is definitely uh, inspired by this race car. Um, it will have the same blue. It will have many features. Um, the front fascia fixtures with dive planes, just like the Garage 56 car, uh, a cup car style wicker bill spoiler in the rear. Um, we're really excited about this. want to thank Todd Christensen, Jim Campbell, Mark Royce, everybody at um, GM Performance Chevrolet uh, for doing this. Uh, in the spirit of Garage 56, um, they, will, uh, be in a, they will be in a class of their own, these special edition cars. Only 56 of them will be produced for the U.S. market. And I'm pretty certain, I think we've already sold about six or eight of them here, Todd. And Herschel might be in for one as well. How about it, Herschel? <laughs> but uh, Todd Christensen is here and available for questions on that special edition. I believe an official news release will be going out very shortly on that. But what greater uh, trophy to have uh, a car uh, named after this project. We're very excited about it. So. Josh, back over to you. Yeah, thank you very much. A few more notes before we uh, move on with our program. Uh, if you did not see yesterday, it was announced that um, Prime Video greenlit a documentary from NASCAR Studios about this entire Garage 56 program. Uh, we've had cameras from the very beginning, behind the scenes, following everything going on from day one all the way through the race this weekend. Um, so very exciting for everybody to see there. Uh, following our event, we would like to invite you to the Goodyear Meet the Team. That'll be at the Goodyear Fitting Area at 2 p.m. 
uh, Mike Rockenfeller and NASCAR Vice President of Vehicle Design Brandon Thomas will be there. They'll join Goodyear executives to get a little more into the technical side of the race car. And then um, for the journalists, the ACO share drive that they've been giving all the information on, we have our Meet the Team invite on that. There's a QR code there. If you scan that, that will take you to all of our press materials for the week. So that includes uh, photos and press releases, anything you need to cover our team. Uh, feel free to reach out to me with anything else that you may need. And uh, before we get to breakouts, we are going to do some photos. So we will invite the photographers to come in for the photos. Let me give you an overview of the breakouts. The drivers will be out on the patios. Downstairs, we'll have Jimmy Johnson and Mike Rockefeller. Upstairs, Jensen Button and Jordan Taylor. Uh, <clears throat> Chad Knaus will be upstairs as well, joined by some of his technical staff. Uh, ben Wright, who has run the program on the Hendrick Motorsports side. Greg Ives, who is the crew chief for the program. And Jessica Hook, the chief of staff for the program, will be available upstairs. <clears throat> Uh, Jim France, NASCAR chairman and CEO, will be available down over here. Uh, Rick Hendrick, who is the owner of Hendrick Motorsports, a NASCAR Hall of Famer, he will be available in the back portion of the room over here. And as was mentioned, Todd Christensen from Chevrolet, Mark Stilo from Chevrolet. We have Stu Grant uh, from Goodyear available on this side of the room as well. Uh, so with that, thank you again all for being here, and we will move on to the photos. track the hot pass racing network puts you at the track with arca and all the major nascar series from daytona to the final checkered flag the hot pass racing network is your inside pass 